When you are down and out, how do you get up and go forward? Have you been prospecting for month on end, only to end up with one? Your past mistakes, habits, and limited belief prison your development? Or are you just kind of depressed about your current employment? There are many reasons to get down and start to get depressed about your situations. When you're down, do you know how to get back up in that right direction? Join us on Yes You Can podcast show. The new you start today, not tomorrow. In 2014, Asha Grigg, age 17, was diagnosed with heart failure after having basic keyhole surgery to remove appendix. She suffered a cardiac event that resulted in her heart stopping, thankfully the hospital and the doctors were able to bring her back, but her life was never the same. The weeks that followed were filled with tests and appointments to work out what had happened. After various tests, Asha and her parents went to meet with a cardiologist and was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy and mitral valve regurgitation, a form of heart failure. In this episode Asha life-changing story will help change your mindset. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. This is Trevor Jeremiah Carter, and yes, the brand new year is here, 2021. New start, new guests, and we do have a wonderful guest with us who's going to be sharing a very extraordinary story about her overcoming certain obstacles in her life. Now, you all know, ladies and gentlemen, we all have challenges in our life, but our guest is going to give us a real good lowdown of exactly what went in her life. So wishing you all a happy new year and uh, I'm hoping that you're all looking at fresh ideas and looking forward to reaching your goals. Okay, yes you can show and we do have our guest with us so uh, before we start welcome to our guest and uh, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, pretty good thank you. All right, okay and I believe you're in a sunny country away from where we are at the moment in UK. <laughs> yes, I am in Australia. Okay. All right. So obviously we'd like to start off with introducing yourself uh, and then we will go into further details of your extraordinary story, which is going to be really beneficial to our listeners. So uh, introduce yourself. My name's Asha. I'm nearly 24, obviously from Australia. I actually live on the Western side at the moment, so we're very lucky with everything going on. Uh, I am actually living with heart failure amongst some other Mm -hmm. (laughs) chronic conditions. Um, And over the years, I definitely learned to grow from it. Right, absolutely. Well, actually, what's interesting is there may be listeners out there who are going through something similar to yourself, but they're not quite too sure what to do, how to do about it, or they may be lacking in confidence. So in your terms, in 2014, I believe it, something extraordinarily happened, unexpected. So tell us a little bit about that. So in 2014, I was 17 years old and I just went in to have my appendix out, had appendicitis. Everything went really well, but in the recovery room, my heart rate actually spiked and then all the alarms went off and it stopped. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, obviously, I was at the hospital and the team were able to start my heart again and bring me back. And after a few weeks of tests and various hospital visits, I was diagnosed with a form of heart failure called cardiomyopathy. 
Um, and it essentially means I am in full heart failure. Right. And by that point, it was very unexpected. I'd never had issues with my heart. I had the other medical issues and been tested for everything and no one had ever picked up on it. Right. So we're quite to say then you were a happy lady growing up in your teens, you were enjoying your life and all of a sudden this came unexpected. Now, Correct. Yes. at that young age, what kind of things were going through your mind? Because we're not until people say, oh, when you're older, this is going to happen. But it seemed to happen at your young age. Now, what happened? Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, so I went after all these appointments, I went to my first proper cardiologist visit. I knew it was pretty serious because both my mum and dad were there. So ever since I was a kid, I had had other medical issues and things like that, but it was always mum and me and, you know, dad would be there for me, but he didn't really come to the appointments because he uh, cares a lot and obviously he's a very emotional person. So as soon as I knew both my parents were there, I was like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of got the feeling. Um, and it was actually a couple of months before graduating high school. So I was already pretty overwhelmed with everything that was going on. And I said, yeah, I walk, walked in and a lot of it was kind of just a bit of a blur. And the things that stuck was you have heart failure. Mm -hmm. Your heart is essentially like spongy Swiss cheese. Right. You will eventually need a heart transplant. Right. And um, as he continued on, explained pretty much I had to stop everything. So I was very active. I was doing CrossFit and I was doing all sorts of different things. And I, he turned around and said, you need to stop everything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to go to the gym. I wasn't allowed to dance or anything. So I was at that age, especially, it's a bit like, so you want me to stop doing everything? Uh, I had to obviously stop working for a little while. And then something that I would have never thought about at 17 years old, uh, he continued on to say, I wouldn't be able to have children safely. Mm -hmm. which obviously at 17 you're like not something you think about and then to have it thrown oh yeah you, you actually can't do that and it was a lot of information to take in mm -hmm. um especially obviously at the age and the timeline and everything like that and it was it was kind of like a punch to the gut a bit um yeah. I, at that point I'd, I'd been dealt a bit of a rough hand of cards because I, I as I said I have a couple of chronic medical conditions and I'd struggled a lot here and there, but I'd come out like by that point, I was like feeling pretty good. I thought, you know, I'd been through the worst of it and I got to graduate and I was on this high point and then it was like my world came crashing down and my life changed entirely. Right. Okay. Well, when I look at your profile, I'm saying how much longer can something like this go on? Because then it happened, something happened in 2016. Yes, uh, I just happened to things, you know, were plodding along. Um, they told me, you know, you're never going to get better. Uh, so we can just medicate you and watch you and things like that. And I, it was August 2016. I started getting really, really severe chest pain. And I started having lots of issues breathing. And I was actually staying at my in-laws house at the time. I'd been dating my boyfriend for about a month. However, thankfully, we'd known each other for 10 years. Uh, and my in-laws actually had to drive me to the hospital. And I was admitted into the ICU at the local hospital here where my cardiologist was. And I had severe fluid retention. So the sac around my heart was just full of fluid. And because my heart's bigger than it's meant to be as well, it was causing all these issues and affecting my lungs and everything like that. And so after discussions my doctor had with various people, 
that decision was made, my care needed to be transferred to something called the advanced heart team. Mm -hmm. And so I was transported by patient transport. My partner was with me at the time. I had a bit of PTSD from things that had happened at hospitals when I was younger. So he was by my side the entire time. And yeah, we got transferred about 40 minutes south of the hospital I was at. Mm-hmm. And instead of having this single cardiologist, I suddenly had this entire team of specialists. And within, so that was, yeah, August, I was in ICU for a week, then I was transferred and I was in the cardiac, current, uh, the CCU unit, which is next to ICU at the new hospital. I was there for about a week and then I finally got to go home. And by November, the same year, I was booked in for my very first heart surgery. Mm-hmm. They actually implanted a internal defibrillator and wired it all in mm-hmm. as a precaution because as they still tell me to this day, I, my condition and the way it presents and everything like that is very abnormal mm-hmm. and unpredictable. And they're like, we want to be extra careful because anything could happen. Right. Now, Asha, this is a time where most people get stuck in a situation like yourself and think, oh, I can't do nothing. My life is on hold. What were you needing at that time when these scenarios were happening? What was going through your mind? What did you really need at that moment in time? At that moment, I think I needed some reassurance, but I also eventually worked out I needed information. So that time between the 2014 and 2016, it was a very big roller coaster. And I, for the first year, give or take, I as I said, completely stopped everything. And then I was nearly nine, about to turn 19 and everything like that. And I was like, well, you know what? Too bad. I'm going to be, you know, 19 year old. I broke up with my high school boyfriend and everything. And I was like, screw everything essentially. And I did a lot of the things I shouldn't have been doing. I went to the gym twice a day. I was going out with my friends. I was working full time and everything like that. And obviously I saw where that resulted I- And it was definitely a bit of a wake up call. Mm -hmm. And I think at the time it was definitely what I needed. I needed something to make me realize that that way doesn't work either. But I knew the original way also didn't work. So I was in this crossroads of, I don't want to go back to being completely on hold, but obviously I can't Mm -hmm. pretend like I'm like everyone else. Uh, And thankfully the team was amazing and they were really good at giving me information and connecting me with resources. And so I essentially, I took it on myself to learn as much as I could and understand everything and understand that there are things I can do so my life can continue and so I could give myself the best chance possible. And it it was definitely a very big turning point. I was about 19 and a half when it all went down at that point. And the wake up call, the information and the new new support system helped me realise what I needed to do. And having that realisation of I can't just rely on someone else. Hmm. Well, At the end of the day, it is still my life and I need to do everything I can to give myself the best chance. Right, right. Well, I must say that's what you call a, war- a warrior heart. It allows you to step over many 
challenges that you faced in your life from 2014 and 16. But at that time, you were still young. Did you, what was your female friends and your friends' reaction when they heard about it? I mean, did they feel out of place? They didn't know what to do or how to help? Yeah, I definitely found it brought to light a lot of who was a true, true friend. And for some people, and I wouldn't blame them, it was too much to handle. Uh, obviously, knowing your close friend has essentially just died and come back to life. Uh, one of my best friends and I at the time, we were so, so close and it was quite a shock to her. And it definitely played an impact on our relationship, which we actually rekindled for about eight months ago or so. Um, once she came back from London and we had this big discussion and it really made me realize the impact it had on my friends where obviously mm-hmm. at that time and at that age, it's, you kind of in the situation of the impact it has on me and me and me. And um, so yeah, it was so good to be able to rekindle and we talk all the time now and things like that. And she, she helped me have that perspective mm-hmm. and understand that it is hard for those who love you. Mm-hmm. to be there while you're going through something and know there's nothing they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know my parents definitely struggled with that a bit as well. I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm there. So, so joy. Um, and it, it was a lot for them to take on. And obviously as a family, we ch- had to change our lifestyle right. as well. Right. Now, I don't know, Asher, people tend to say certain things happen for a reason, but they're always a good reason in being it. Yes. Um, for example, uh, most people say uh, it brings family more closer. It gets you to, as you say, look at your life a bit different. And as you go along, you're not taking advantage of the things that you were enjoying before. Uh, yes. So again, it's a life journey, Ashra, and this is why we've got you on this show, because there may be many people on our show today who are in that situation, especially if they're young and their family have to constantly go into hospital and out of hospital, it can lower their self-esteem. Now, for you, Ashra, what kind of thing did you put in place for your friends and your parents to realize that you can do this together? rather than we saying our own ideas and how we're going to do it. How did you bring, what kind of things did you do to bring things more closer to home? A big thing for me, especially after where I went on that journey where I wanted to learn everything was once I learned everything and I understood everything, having, it might sound really corny, but open communication. Right. I was always brought up with, if you feel something, you mm-hmm. say it. Right, okay. Um, with me and parents, if, if they've upset me, I say it and vice versa. Right. And so it meant that I had a conversation with them and I told them and I explained it to them and the extended family and then my now fiance and all those sorts of people, the people that were important and close to me, making sure I had open communication and also making sure I was working so they could understand essentially what the situation was, but also how I was feeling uh, and what my goals were and where I wanted to be able to get to and how they can support me and how they can help me. So, because obviously people that love you, they want to be there and they want to help. 
And it, it always makes them feel a bit worse when you know you can't do anything to help. Like when someone's, you know, family member dies, all you want to do is you want to be there and help that person. But there is, there is nothing you can do except for be there for them. And so I became very aware of that and made it clear to them what they could do to help without being overly invasive as well. Because obviously oh. no one wants every person up in there right. who's 24-7, uh -huh. um, especially not at that age and things like that. Right. And I'm very fortunate. Like My parents are amazing and my fiancé is beyond amazing. He has slept on many a trundle bed and chair and bench. Right. And they've always been very receptive to understanding it. And I think that's the key. If people really care about you, when you have that open communication, you should be able to explain to them what is going on and what you're feeling. Right. And by not holding that stuff back, mm -hmm. it is good for your relationship, but it's also good for you because you're building that support system. Right. Very powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Asher Griggs on with our show. And yes, what a story, what a journey. Two situations happened in certain years, but she's still here and still fighting with a great warrior heart. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're back in with our guests. And um, Asher, you mentioned something quite powerful, really. It's about trust. Was that a hard thing for you when it happened in those years and people around you, the hospital, your parents and your friends, would trust at that time difficult for you? Extremely. It was really difficult, uh, especially with my medical team, because um, I had a bit of an incident at a hospital when I was about 18. Things didn't go very well, to say the least, and I ended up being diagnosed with PTSD from it. So leading on to that, it made it very hard for me to trust my medical team. And also when I was having new people come into my life, because obviously when you get to your end of your teens, beginning of your 20s, a lot of the time some of the people you have around you, they're, gonna, they're going to change. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time before I was comfortable and confident enough in myself to share my situation with people that were coming into my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I was very fortunate in the fact of my now fiance, when we started dating, we'd known each other for 10 years and his sister is actually my best friend. Right. So he was already aware of the situation and I was so fortunate in that fact, because it meant that, you know, you weren't staying this brand new relationship and then being like, Oh yeah, by the way, right. I have heart failure. I need a heart transplant. Right. <laughs> so it was, but I definitely, I definitely struggled and I struggled with the concept of sharing my story. And obviously I live a bit of a public life because in my free time, right. I am a freelance model and right. I work with a lot of amazing people and amazing creatives and things like that. And I, I didn't want anyone to know because I was, I didn't trust the world. I didn't trust the people outside of my inner circle. I didn't trust that they wouldn't judge me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't trust that they would, that they would give me an equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I think that's the whole purpose of what happens in people's life. There's certain things that flashback comes back and you think, wow, can I really trust these people? But you moved on, Asha. You didn't hold back. 
you didn't allow those conditions to hold you back. You're still here. You're still active. You're still living the life that most young people want to enjoy. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment then. So I work full time in a government job. I'm also a freelance model and a current national title holder uh, for a pageant system here in Australia, Miss Charity Australia. I am planning my wedding. I get married in November this year. Whoa. My partner and I are actually building our house. Um, we just settled on our land last week. So we're officially landowners and we're about to start building our house. I have been internationally published as a model. And I actually last year got featured on a cover and the magazine features a story on my personal story and my heart situation. And I'm also working to be an advocate for heart health because mm. over this journey, I realized that sharing my story could make a difference in someone else's life. And even if it's just one person's life, I can touch and I could, you know, help them along the way and give them something I felt like I didn't have, right. it would be so amazing. Right. And obviously that ends up leading me to <laughs> here. Over the past year, I've started doing things like podcast interviews. I've been doing a lot of work with the Australian Heart Foundation. Over 2020, I fundraised about two and a half grand for the Heart Foundation in Australia. Right. And I've, I've been working with some local businesses and things like that to spread the word about how important your heart health is, but also that you don't need to be that statistic. Right, right. So in Australia, the work that you're doing, is there enough awareness in people in Australia about the heart condition or looking after themselves? No, honestly, I, I don't think so. And even I definitely found when I was trying to learn more, to know that it's the number one killer of Australians, mm -hmm. it was it was a shock to me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, when they have found out about my condition and things like that, you can tell they're a little bit ignorant, not purposefully, but just because mm -hmm. it's not spoken mm -hmm. about. There's this stigma around having a condition. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, yes, I have heart failure. I'd get a, well, you don't look like you're sick. Or mm -hmm. people would start asking me, should you really be doing that? Mm-hmm. And it made me realize how little knowledge mm -hmm. people in my community and people around the country had about what it's like to live with a heart condition, but also how do you support someone and how do you do what you need to do to keep your heart healthy? Mm -hmm. So my parents are actually both in their fifties mm -hmm. and it wasn't something they'd overly thought about obviously until I got diagnosed. And then we realized the importance of, a really, really healthy diet and exercise and those aspects that I drastically changed in my life after 2016 are one of the reasons I can do everything I do now. Mm. Whereas on paper, I shouldn't be able to do any of it. Right, right. And so it's definitely enlightened me to the importance of those kinds of things. And the more I've spoken with people, the more I've realized how much there really is a gap of knowledge. And how people just assume, you know, oh, you get heart disease because you have a bad diet mm -hmm. or, you know, because you're a smoker. They don't think about, I've, at that point, I've never smoked. I've never done drugs, any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was a fit and active 17 year old and, you know, I, my heart stopped. Right. And 
people don't quite realize that because you have X condition, it's not necessarily caused by something in your lifestyle. Right, right. Now, interesting is that fact that you're doing this work because you are aware of number one, it's happened to you. And number two, there may be people out there who are experiencing something, but not getting the right support or right advice. Now, your journey along the way of educating people, um, how are the older generation taking it? <laughs> Some people have kind of looked at me like I'm crazy and looked at me like, you're not old enough to know things. <laughs> As I said, I'm about to turn 24. Right. Um, and some, some of the, obviously, especially the older generation is like, well, that's not a thing. You know, it wasn't so well known back in my, when my grandparents and their parents and things like that. I've been very fortunate in the fact I do have a connection with some of the older generations. My grandparents actually own a, um, a shop rider business, they're little gophers. Right. Okay. So they have a they, bigger elderly community. So I do have that connection in there and it's something I want to explore further because not only obviously do old people suffer from heart disease, but generally speaking, statistically, it, heart disease can very regularly be hereditary mm -hmm. so if you have those older generations understanding it when it does happen to their children or their grandchildren they'll have a better understanding and they'll know how to support them right but again i get from especially the older people they go well if you have that you shouldn't be doing these things mm -hmm. like you shouldn't you shouldn't be working out or you shouldn't be going to work and right. those kinds of things and it, it is quite a bit of just the ignorance that goes with it. Right. And trying to change society's perception on these kinds of things. Right. Well, actually, when you look at where you were before and looking at where you are now, what's the biggest changes you've discovered about yourself? Uh, definitely that I am stronger than I would have ever thought. Mm -hmm. And that I have discovered a real drive and desire to make a difference in other people's world mm -hmm. and that I am capable of more than what people say I am. Mm -hmm. So as I said, on paper, I shouldn't really be able to do anything. Um, on paper, my condition is quite severe right. and they, they can't do anything until they transplant at this point in time but I, I, I do it and I, I work out and I definitely realized I needed to be more open to mm -hmm. trusting people mm -hmm. because I there is no way I could be where I am today okay. without my parents and my partner who have been there every step of the way they've always been there to hold my hand and when I'm upset even if I'm upset over absolutely nothing because I'm having a bad day yeah. and things are just feeling a bit hard, yeah. they will be there and they'll hold me while I cry if that's what I need to do. Right. I realise the importance of that support system and that I am so capable, but I can't do it all alone. Right, okay. Now, you mentioned you're into modelling. Was that something you always wanted to do from a young age? I started when I was 10. Oh, wow. I was a really, really, really shy, quiet child. 
Okay. Um, and my parents were like, let's put you in grooming and decor and learn some skills and <laughs> whatnot. And I kind of stuck. And then when I was about 15, I left um, to focus on dancing. And then obviously, eventually everything kind of happened and went down. And then once I hit 19, I got back into modeling and it kind of, it starts to take off a bit from there. And I found once I came to terms with my condition and right. having a defibrillator and things like that, I was actually able to better perform because I was more driven to show people that I'm not just anyone. I can be extraordinary. And I came to the realization if I can achieve those things, I can be extraordinary. I can set an example for anyone that may be struggling with any sort of medical illness. Mm -hmm. I could show them that it is possible. Right, right. Well, actually, the amount of work that you put in, surely there have been some people you've come across who have come up and shook your hand and hugged you and said, oh, thank you, you saved my life to understand what I, I couldn't do, I can do. So you probably might have come across some people who had the heart condition and they've shared their story with you, uh, may have motivated you even more. Tell us a little bit about some of the feedback you're getting from what you're doing. So since I've started on this journey, I've definitely had some messages over things like Instagram and things like that saying, I've actually, I actually had a gentleman would have been in his thirties or so. I heard a podcast on interview. I did a couple of months ago. And so went on my Instagram and there is one of the very first posts I did about my heart condition was August, 2019, because it marked the five year mark since mm -hmm. everything happened. And it was a very significant moment for me. And I decided to do a post to do a share and do a, a then and now. And yeah, he actually commented and then sent me a message and said, I've been diagnosed with the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And I, he, he essentially said he was like, he thought his life was over. He was told he couldn't do these things. And he said it actually made him feel so much better about the situation, knowing that not only is he not alone, but there is potential to still achieve. Right. And there is potential to still have a life outside of that condition. Right. And I, I have definitely met some people along the way, especially um, once I got into pageantry and things like that, that once I, you'd be having random discussions with people and things like that. And just having people say that has actually just changed my entire mindset. Mm-hmm is one of the most amazing moments because I know how hard it was for me to change my mindset. Mm. And so one of the biggest things I loved to hear people say is that they've been able to do the same mm. because half of that battle is your mindset. Mm. And a big one for me was at one of the local events here. I was there with my pageant director. We were working with kids, you know, smiling, taking photos, playing with bubbles. And this um, girl came up, she was about 16. She was actually, she had a disability and she was in a wheelchair. Mm. And she saw my medical bracelet. And she's like, oh, we're, we're matching. <laughs> and so I ended up discussing with her and a carer. She's like, oh, like, what's going on? Told her and she was like, her eyes kind of just lit up. Right. You, you, you could see the moment where she realized the same thing. She's like, oh my God, someone that actually understands me. Right. And she's like, She's like, oh my God. She was like, she's like, that's amazing. She's like, 
thank you. And her okay. carer actually said to me afterwards, she was like, thank you so much. She's like, I haven't seen her smile like that in so long. Right. And it was an absolutely magical moment just seeing something so simple. Right. And just having that conversation really changing someone's day. Right. Uh, now, I think the story can go beyond what you've explained because you're taking it to another level where nobody's been at the moment or somebody has been waiting for your message, waiting for your story. So, Asha, tell us what is your long-term plan? We're now in the brand new year, so what's your goals? So, my goals at the moment, especially in this area, is to continue on this journey of raising awareness and advocating and hopefully getting to a level where I can reach a lot of people and I can really make a difference in even more people's lives. Especially now, hopefully, fingers crossed, the coronavirus situation doesn't spike back up here. At the moment, we're not in lockdown or anything. Right. So I'm hoping to actually be able to work with our the Heart Foundation here and speak at some things like schools and businesses to help raise the awareness, but especially working with those younger generations. Cause I remember back when I was diagnosed, I felt so alone mm -hmm. and I, I want to be that person that is open about their situation. So someone else doesn't feel alone right. and hopefully along the run, I will be able to build my platform enough to have an international reach Right. as well as working within my own community. Right. Uh, I want to ask you, the, joy, the dreams and the goals, uh, they, they get unstoppable because you, when you start something, it just goes on and on and it becomes plentiful, like a beautiful flower growing from nowhere. Um, who has you been your greatest desire to meet that's really going to make you oops your life to another level. Is anybody particularly out there who you look up to and think, yes, I'd love to meet this person? I definitely think there's probably a few people around that I've seen and I'm like, this person is just an inspiration. And actually on a smaller level, there is technically class an influencer, but she runs a podcast and she's been very open about all her personal struggles and all these different things she's gone through. Her name's actually Georgie Stevenson and she, she's been such an instrumental part of my journey through listening to her podcast and all that, that really helped me on my mindset journey. It would be the most incredible thing to actually be able to meet with her and just talk with her and pick her brain. And hopefully from there, you know, be able to meet a lot of like-minded people. I think as a whole, there is a lot of amazing people out there doing so much amazing work and to be able to be in a position where, you can even just pick their brains and discuss mm -hmm. everything with them and find a way to make our community and our world a better place overall. Right, absolutely. We, all, we cannot deny what you've just mentioned there. I think everybody's looking for a better world and you've proven the Asher. You stepped out of your comfort zone, you started to trust people and your confidence has grown. And now you're taking it to another level where you can reach as many people as possible who are looking for stories like yourself. So uh, just to ask you, are you in the process of doing a book or something or uh, people At know? the moment, I, I'm finally, I've had followers ask me for a while now. I'm finally about to start my blog. Right. I have done my website. 
all the really fiddly bits. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I've just been drafting up some ideas to get ready to launch them on my blog. Um, so I'm definitely going to, I'm going to start from, start from that blog level and see where I can go from there. But it would honestly be amazing to do something like a book. Right. Uh, it would just be getting myself into a position where that is something that, you know, could really come to life. I'm very much an overachiever. So when I do something, I want it to be perfect. It's genetic. My parents are the same. Absolutely. I, I want to be able to give my best. Okay. I don't want to be giving my community or anyone half. Right. I want to be giving them my whole right. to be able to make that biggest difference. Right. I think your work that you're doing is proving that. It's giving its all. And anybody looks at this story and don't see the all you've given, then there's something wrong, like you said, the mindset. It goes back to the mindset. Uh, okay, so you have any contact details or websites or social media that people can yeah. contact you? Please do give them through. So my website is just ashagrig.com. So it's just A-S-H-A-G-R-I-G-G.com. Yeah. Nice and simple. Really excited. It is technically live now as of a couple of days ago. So I'm just going to be working and keeping the content up to date. And my Instagram is just, again, Asha Grigg. No full stops or anything like that. Uh, I do try and keep my socials quite alive. It does have a lot of my photographic content as well. And it goes through a lot of my journeys and things like that. Uh, absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard our wonderful guest. What a journey, a journey of breaking down many barriers. And she's here to help others internationally and not only in Australia. So I'm looking at you all to contact her. If you are somebody out there who is going through something that you could just have a, a boost of confidence, then please do get in touch with her. So Atra, as we come to the ending, is there anything specifically you want to highlight and leave with everybody before we close? Definitely information is gold. Understanding and communicating will make a world of difference. And that has been such a big learning for me. And I really want everyone to be mindful of that and take ownership of their situation to give themselves the best chance. Right, absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. And now let your life begin. This could be your goal for 2021. So actually, I want to say thank you so much for being a wonderful guest and very inspirational story. And we wish you all the best for the rest of the year. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. And we look forward to hearing you on the next episode. Yes, you can. Take care and look, keep safe. Bye.